0: I saw that video this morning for the uh, first time, and honestly, it just stopped me in my tracks because 12 years ago, there were seven of us trying to do what we did, and we didn't have any idea if anybody else would be as passionate about this as we are, and yet here we are 12 years later, and uh, when people ask me, hey, so explain to me, like, what's going on over there? Like, what? Why is your you know uh, do you see the things happening at your church that you see happening? My answer is the same every single time it's Have you met our volunteers? Have you met our volunteers because what God is doing through them is extraordinary and And if you have met our volunteers, you know it's a miracle that He's doing it through them because they're scoundrels, they are scoundrels, just kidding sort of like but it isn't it true like he's just taking a lot of us who are just ordinary people and we've all got our flaws and we don't have our acts together ourselves but I mean, we, when you give a, a little bit of your time, what we've seen for 12 years is God does some things in and through you that are just extraordinary. And so I'm so excited about today because I'm going to talk to you about that for just a minute. Uh, but before we do, I want to tell you about a couple of things coming up, and then we'll cycle back to this idea of best day ever. We are really excited, first of all, because today we are publicly launching our very first ever app. So here's why we're so excited about this. We've taken a lot of time to roll an app out because we want to make sure that it actually met a need and that there was a purpose behind it. And Jordan and his team, they've done such a phenomenal, phenomenal job with this. You can find this on you know, whatever app store, whatever platform you're on, iTunes or those other inferior things. I don't know what you're in, but whatever, I'm just kidding, whatever it is, you can just, matter of fact, on your phone right now, if you go to your app store, you just type in, search Journey Callaway, it's going to pop right up. And I think you are going to love this thing. We've been testing it behind the scenes for about a month now, and uh, I find myself using it a lot more than I thought I would use it. All of the videos, all of the sermon series are going to be right there. It is how I now watch everything. Uh, that I'm watching. It's, it's so streamlined. It's so easy to do. It is the easiest way to share video now. If you, know, if you hear a message and you're like, oh man, I wish so-and-so would hear this, there is a share button right there. and You can put it on social media. You can text it to somebody, whatever you want to do. It's, it's really easy. And some of you, if you're note takers, you're going to love this feature. You can now take notes on the talks right there within the app. You can take notes and it ties the, the talk right in. If you download it right now, you'll see best day ever is up there and you can click and take notes right there and it keeps it right there with a message for you, so I think you're gonna love that. There's a lot of other stuff I won't go into, but you can keep track of all the events coming up. If you're like, man, when was that, or where was it, or what time did it start? Everything that's going on at our church is now on there for you to find. You can give through the app, it's an easy way to give. It's just a one-stop shop for everything. And I just wanna make you aware, we'd really love for you to download this because you can set up and customize notifications. Now, we're not gonna blow your phone up with notifications, but let me tell you why this is important because there's no easy way for us right now to get word out. If we have to change locations, that happens every now and then. If we have to cancel because of weather or whatever the case may be. Well, this is gonna be the easiest way for us to push information to you when you need to know something last minute. And you can customize it. You can just get you know um, notifications just for adult things. You can get it if you've got a, a kid or a student, you can get it for preschool or elementary, middle and high school stuff as well. You can customize all that. So if you just pull out your phone, check that out. I think you're gonna love it. We've been getting in this, in this beta testing phase some incredible feedback. So hopefully you're gonna find that really, really helpful. The other thing I wanna tell you about is I want you to know what's coming up the next two weeks. I'm really excited about these next two Sundays. Next Sunday I'm doing a message called Built to Last. It's what we call around here behind the scenes a standalone or a, a one-off. It's just, it's not connected to a series. I just want to take a Sunday and talk to you about a single topic that is really, really important and I'm very passionate about, all of us face uncertainties and unknowns in life. It's just part of life, right? And the struggle is navigating through the uncertainties and the unknowns without fear, without anxiety, and knowing how to make the right or the best decision in the midst of all of those uncertainties. Well, there's one habit. There's one habit. That it's not a short-term fix. It is a long play. But there's one habit that if you will put it in your life, it will do more to help you navigate unknowns and uncertainties with wisdom than any other habits you can develop. And I know because I was taught to do this when I was about 10 years old. I'm gonna tell you more about that next week. But when I was about 10 years old, I was taught this habit. I've never stopped doing it, and it has paid off huge. So next week, we're talking about that. If you've got friends or family who are dealing with uncertainties and unknowns right now, and they're stressed out about it, it will be a great Sunday to bring them for Built to Last. And then in two weeks, on November the 19th, it is one of our favorite Sundays of the year around here. It's gonna be our Four Callaway Christmas off. Offering. We're only two weeks away. Two weeks away. Now, if you're new around here, I'll tell you real quickly what we do. This is the one time a year, every year, where we do a special offering. And then we give every single dime of it away. We've done this now for the last several years. We give every dime away to nonprofit organizations in our community. Doesn't matter if they're Christian nonprofits or not. We just find the best nonprofits in our community who are having the biggest impact. And we resource them with money and we have a lot of people who volunteer at these organizations to try to help them go further faster and then we help families in need in our community as well so every single dime that you give in that offering we turn around and we give it right back into this community. Last year, you blew me away last year. Last I don't know if we can do this again. Last year, you gave over $66,000. We gave it all away. It was incredible. So I'm really excited, and my goal for this year is just 100% participation. I would love for all of us, for all of us to participate in some way, whether it's $10 or $20 or $2,000 or $10,000. You know, it's different for everybody what you can give, but I hope you'll start praying now about what God wants you to do, and let's come in two weeks. Let's get big, and let's unleash another huge wave of generosity into our community. And let me say this, then we'll jump into today. If you have some friends, you have some family members who are skeptical of church, and I get that—they've got great reasons to be, or they were burned by church, or they don't want—you know—they just don't want anything to do with church. They've got great reasons. Listen. This Sunday, November 19th, it is the perfect Sunday to bring them to church. If you've got skeptical friends or skeptical family members, make an invite. Get them here on the 19th and let them see what it looks like when the local church is doing what the local church ought to be doing in its community. You'll be amazed at the impact and the conversations that it starts with them. Now, today, as I said, today's a little different. Um, And if you're new here, I'll explain this to you in just a second. But today's a little different. Because I want to talk to you about a habit or commitment that if you will make it, it will be a huge catalyst for spiritual growth in your life. And you will be shocked to discover if you make this commitment how God uses this commitment to take a little bit of your time and to do something with it. How he will use that to change the lives and to change the world of a whole lot of people. And I know that because I've watched it. For the last 12 years. If you're new around here, one of the reasons that you love our church, one of the reasons that you love the experience, one of the reasons you keep coming back, the main reason, actually, that you keep coming back is because, as I said at the beginning, because of these people right here, the volunteers. Because of the volunteers. Now, this is really. People who give a little bit of their time here, and they serve in different areas, this is a term we use, and and we use it because we started using it 12 years ago, and I'm the one who started using it, and I did a terrible job. I shouldn't even use this term because it's a terrible term to use for these people, and I'll explain why. Every church has volunteers. Every nonprofit organization has volunteers. The, The people who serve at our church, they're not really volunteers. They're more like engaged owners. Here's what I mean by that. In my world, you know, I get to talking to pastors about different things, and every time when Easter starts to roll around, pastors will start talking about how they're putting so much effort into making Easter the best day ever at their church, because they know there are going to be big crowds, and you know, people show up for that day. So they put all this effort and all this intensity, and they get really nervous about, oh man, I hope everything goes well on Easter, we want to be the best day ever. And every time pastors start talking to me like that, they'll, they'll eventually say, hey, you nervous about Easter? And I'm like... No, I'm not. Well, I am. I'm nervous about my part because I'm the only one who will screw this thing up on Easter. You know, it's like I'm going to try not to mess it up too bad, so I'm nervous that I'll screw it up, but I'm not nervous about what they're going to experience on Easter. And the reason is because the people who volunteer at our church they treat every single Sunday like Easter Sunday. They do. They, they believe every single Sunday counts, and they're trying to make every Sunday the best day ever for somebody who walks through these doors. And so when Easter rolls around, I'm never worried about, well, how are volunteers going to be and what's experience going to be like for people? No, it's just like any other Sunday. It's just as important. They are absolutely extraordinary. That's why some of you, and if, you, you know, if you're new around here, you probably don't recognize or realize this, and you shouldn't. But you're sitting around some people, some of of the people you're around, they show up here early in the morning, like 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, some of them even early, and they'll give an hour, they'll give 90 minutes of their time to set all of this up in all of these different environments all throughout this building. There's so much you're wondering, well, how does this all happen Well, volunteers? do all this, and then after the service, you know, another group comes and they pack everything away so it's ready for the next week. And they do it because when you walk in the doors, they want you to walk into an atmosphere that's comfortable and appealing, and so they put all of this effort and all this time into that. We have people, so you're sitting around some people today, who they volunteer their time in our preschool environment because they're trying to help you as a parent, if you're a parent of a preschooler, to put a foundation of faith in the life and in the heart of your preschooler And so they work so hard to make sure your preschooler knows every week that they're loved, that God made them, that God loves them, that Jesus wants to be their friend forever. Some of you volunteer in our 252 environment with elementary kids. And you're doing, you know, every week you're loving on these kids, helping them take a next step of faith. And you're teaching them that they can trust God no matter what, that they should treat others the way they want to be treated. That, you know, no matter what's going on in their world, they can make a wise choice if they'll just lean into what God has said to do. Some of you volunteer with our middle school students in transit that happens at the 1030 service. And those of you who volunteer there, you're so extraordinary. I mean, because what you're doing with middle school and high school as well with Inside Out, what our volunteers and our student ministry are doing To me, it just just stops me in my tracks because they are helping teenagers. Remember when you were a teenager? Think about this. They are helping teenagers to develop a faith of their own, not like, oh, I come to church because mom and dad come or mom and dad make me. They're helping teenagers. We are seeing middle and high school students develop a faith of their own and engage with our church. One of the things I am most proud of here is how many middle and high school students don't just show up to attend a service here, show up to attend transit. They serve here. They serve all over in all different environments. It's absolutely extraordinary to watch how engaged they are. But it wouldn't happen if God couldn't work through some of you. Some of you volunteer and family check in or security or guest services you're trying to welcome and inform and direct people and make sure everybody feels comfortable and you know parents know what to do and they feel safe leaving their child down there. I could go on and on. My point is, if you love this place, the reason you love this place is because of these people right here. They are the ones that God has used to do some extraordinary things. They're the ones that God has used to change a whole lot of lives around here. And I know if you're not engaged with us, if you're not serving with us, here's what I know. You are so grateful for them, aren't you? If you've got kids, you're so grateful for those volunteers. If you have students, you're grateful. You know, you're grateful for the people who make this experience what it is. You're grateful for them. But What I want to do today is talk to you about something that maybe you've never thought of or, you know, it's just never consciously been something you've been aware of. But it is a trap for all of us. It's a trap for all of us. It is something that's just a part of human nature, and it's something that we've got to fight against and pay careful attention to. Or else we will lose our sense of appreciation, we will lose our sense of gratitude, and we will lose our passion for what God is doing in and through all of you. It's what I call the law of diminishing astonishment. The law of diminishing astonishment. Now, I read a, a, a blog post, I don't know, probably a year ago that talked about this a little bit, and I thought, man, that's such a great way to, to title that or a great way to explain that. Uh, I just thought it was a great name. Uh, he probably made it up, so don't go looking in your physics book for this. It's not there, okay? But the law of diminishing astonishment, here's my definition of it, okay? I just made this up. Here's my definition. The longer you're here the less aware you are of the amazing things God is doing. Isn't that true? The longer you're here, the less aware you are of the amazing things God is doing. And this is just human nature. Familiarity breeds complacency. This happens in all areas of life, doesn't it? Think about that vacation spot you went to and the first time you went there, you were just blown away, amazed by how awesome and amazing it was and you know all the high-end finishes or whatever it was and you just you were so excited and you decided to go back and so the next year you went back and what happened second year? You weren't nearly as excited, were you? I mean, You were still like, nice place, nice place, but you weren't nearly as excited. And by the third year, if you went back a third time, you walked in, you were like, well, that's wrong and why didn't they fix that? And I don't think they should do that different. And all of a sudden you became a critic, right? You weren't amazed by it at all. Same thing's true with house, remember if you, those of you who bought a house, you walk in, you know, the first few days you're just in amazement at this house. I just love this house so much and give it, you know, six months or six weeks or sometimes six days and it's like, oh my gosh, look at all this mess we got to clean up. Something's wrong there. And, you know, you just, you just lose your sense of awe or appreciation or astonishment. Same thing's true with cars for some of you. You bought cars you were so excited about and two weeks later or two months later it's like, okay, it's just a car, you know. This is just human nature, This is just human nature. So it's not a bad thing, per se, in the sense of, oh, you should never feel that way, but you've got to be aware of it, because when it comes to what God is doing in your life and through your life and what God is doing around you, it is very, very easy to show up to church, and over time, what used to astonish or amaze you is just normal. What used to astonish or amaze you, and this is where it becomes dangerous, becomes an expectation. Well yeah, that's just that's just what God does or that's just, you know, how it works or that's that's just the way it is there and it becomes an expectation. And if you're not careful, the longer you're here, what will happen if you're not engaged especially, if you're not serving especially, what will happen is the longer you are here, the more critical you will become. The longer you're here, the less positive you will be. The longer you're here, the more you'll start to just think, oh, I wish they would do that, and why don't they, you know, I would like it a lot more if they do that different. And you just start thinking about yourself. You start seeing all the things that you think are wrong, and you miss what God is doing all around you. So I want to take a few minutes today to talk about how to keep that from happening because it is just part of human nature, and it's a trap that we could all fall into if we are not careful. So here's what I want to do. I want to introduce you to a truth, and then I'm going to give you a challenge. Then I'm going to explain why you ought to do it. I'm going to try to inspire you to take a step, and then I'm going to get you out of here. It's that simple, okay? Are you ready? Let's start with this truth. The truth was introduced to us by the apostle Peter. Now, Peter wrote a couple of letters that are in our New Testament today, and he wrote these letters to Christians in the region that's known as Asia Minor. And these Christians, these Christians were being persecuted, They were suffering. They had scattered all over the area in order to, you know, find safety or to try to protect themselves and their families. And as you can imagine, it's hard for us to put our, you know, ourselves in their shoes, but as you could probably imagine, as they're trying to serve and follow Jesus and as they're trying to love people the way Jesus loves people, they began to ask a question of themselves that we all ask at some point. They began to ask, is it worth it and does it make a difference? Is it worth it and does it make a difference? We're trying to love these people the way Jesus said to love them. And all we get are persecution and criticisms in return. We're trying to love on these people the way Jesus loved us. And instead of, you know, accepting it, embracing it, we're being attacked by them. Like, is it worth it? And does it matter? And so Peter, just think about Apostle Peter, like he was with Jesus for three years, you know, one of his closest disciples. Peter writes a letter to them to address this question. Now, just real quickly before we read this, I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way. But talk about astonishing. It is astonishing to me when I pause and realize that we're actually able to open up a letter and read the thoughts of a man who was coached and discipled and mentored by Jesus himself 2,000 years ago. That's pretty crazy. Whether you believe in what Peter wrote or what Jesus said or not, it's pretty remarkable that there was a man named Peter who we all know about who was alive 2,000 years ago and he wrote his thoughts down and we still have them today. And this is part of what Peter communicated to those Christians and what Peter wanted all of us 2000 years later to know. Here's what he wrote. First Peter chapter 4. He said above all and I want to pause right there because I don't want you to miss the weight of these words. Peter, you you were with Jesus for 3 years. You saw Jesus do miracles, you heard Jesus, you know, teach all of these truths like once Jesus left this earth, you know what Peter spent the rest of his life doing until he was martyred by a Roman emperor? He was crucified upside down. Until that moment, Peter spent the rest of his life explaining to people, teaching people, reminding people everything he had learned from Jesus. That was really Peter's role. He, This was his job. This was his life's purpose. And yet Peter's writing, he says, okay, I've taught you a lot. I've learned a lot from Jesus. I've passed on a lot to you. But above all, you mean there's a... There's something that you learn from Jesus that takes priority over everything else. Peter says, yeah, there's a top priority. I'm about to tell you what it is, and it's the thing you have to remember or else you will begin to take for granted all that God is doing in and through and around you. Here's what he says. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, For all of us guys, and probably you ladies too, but I I don't, you know, assume that I know how you ladies think, so I'm not going to put words in your mouth. But for all of us guys, anytime I hear this, I'm sure you're the same way. Anytime I hear, oh, you should love people, it's like, good grief, that's just so soft and like I don't even know what that means exactly. It's just okay, that's romantic and it's emotional and that's just not my thing. But that's not what Peter's talking about here. This is not an emotional romantic kind of love. This was a kind of love that's based on action and choice and volition or you know, I'm I'm choosing it's hard, I'm choosing to do it anyway. This is very practical, this is very gritty, this is very concrete. What Peter's saying is, okay, you know how Jesus loved you. You know the sacrifices he made. You know the way he gave. You know the hard choices that he chose to make. This is what you've got to do above all else, above all else. You've got to learn to love people that deeply. Why, Peter? He says, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, I don't have a lot of time to stay here and explain this, but here's what I think Peter's saying. Peter's saying that kind of gritty, tough, difficult, but unconditional, unshakable love, that kind of love is what holds back the darkness. That kind of love is what stems the tide of evil around us. That kind of love is what overcomes the consequences of sinful choices that we make and that others around us make. The more, the better, the more, the better, the more we love deeply, the greater impact it has. It covers over, or it cancels out, or it holds back or pushes away a multitude of sins and their consequences. Now, as I was thinking about this verse a few months ago and spending some time wrestling through this, for me, I don't know if this is true for you, but for me, I think the two most difficult words in here, the two words right here in the middle, each other. Each other. Love each other deeply. And the, the reason I feel that way is because, unfortunately, Peter didn't say, that we got to choose. It's, it's not, okay, each other's are not just the people like you, each other's are the people not like you, each other's aren't just the people that you like, each other's are the people that you don't like, each other's are not just the people who, you know, love you, they're the ones who don't love you too. Each other's are not just, you know, unfortunately, Peter didn't say, you know, just, just love your people deeply. Love your people, you know, we all got people, like, love your people deeply. No, he was saying, each other's are all people. You got to love everybody this way which includes, for us, all the people in our communities that are like us and the ones who aren't, the ones that, you know, we tend to connect with and the ones that we don't, the ones that we, you know, get where they're coming from and what they're doing and the ones that we're like, why would you make those choices and I don't understand. Loving each other deeply includes loving the people who've hurt you, wronged you, mistreated you, the people who are struggling with addictions, the people who've made choices and you didn't have anything to do with it but now you're suffering consequences from it. Loving each other deeply includes the 28,063 people today in our county who aren't in church and don't seem to have any interest in wanting anything to do with it. As a matter of fact, a lot of them will tell you all the reasons they don't like church and they don't like Christians, which means they don't like you. He says, you just got to love each other deeply, Not, not picking and choosing. But this kind of sacrificial, generous, unconditional love Peter says is something, that if if we want to make an impact in our community, we've got to demonstrate it at all places, all times, with all people. You say, well, okay, that's kind of like a big picture, but I don't understand what that looks like practically. Well, Peter didn't leave any doubt. He, He got very black and white on us. Look at what he says next. He says, here's how you love each other. You offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Let's just start right there, he says. I want you to offer hospitality to each other without grumbling, without complaining, without murmuring about it. You do it willingly and you do it gladly. Now, just so we're all on the same page, let me give you a definition of hospitality, okay? Here's what hospitality is. The friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests. That's what hospitality means. And this is, and I'll just pull the curtain back for a second. This is what we're trying to do every single week at church. Every time we set all this up and we hold services, what we're trying to do is we're trying to demonstrate and offer hospitality to every single person who walks through these doors. People who believe like we do, people who don't, people who, you know, they grew up in church, people who it's their first time, it doesn't matter. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to offer a friendly, hey, we're so glad you're here. We were expecting you, you know, We're, we're so glad you're here. A friendly and a generous, hey, we're not trying to get anything from you, we want something for you. Like, we want you to walk away saying, wow, I got way more than I ever thought I would get. Those are some generous people. We're trying to create a friendly and generous reception. Hey, we were expecting you. We didn't expect it was just going to be those of us, you know, who all kind of hang out together. We were expecting you to be here. We're so glad you're here. We we prepared for you to be here. Reception and entertainment. Oh, that's a taboo word at church. You can't entertain people. Listen, let me just... Pause real quick, because every now and then, this probably doesn't happen to you, but every now and then, I get this criticism. I will have people who actually have the nerve, and I'm glad they do, they have the nerve to look at me and say, uh, you know why your church is, uh, has the people coming that has coming? I'm like, no, please tell me. And they'll, they'll say, it's because y'all are just entertaining people over there. <clears throat> to which i say, have you looked that word up in the dictionary? Let me give you a definition of entertainment. It is to hold someone's attention for an extended period of time. So yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Because the alternative is the friendly and generous reception and boredom of guests. Now, a lot of churches are great at that. But I don't think you want us to hold your attention for a very short period of time. Now, I'm not saying that we're great at the entertainment part, that we hold your attention all the time. Usually when that breaks down, it happens, oh, right in the middle of what I'm doing. So I'm reminded of that, okay? I know that. I'm working on it. Nobody else has this problem but me. I'm the one who tanks it. But But we're trying to hold your attention for an extended period of time because we think there's something valuable that you need to know about your Heavenly Father. And I don't know of another way to go about doing it that's more effective. So anyway, that's what hospitality is. It is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests. And every single week when we have church, this is why we do what we do. This is why our volunteers, those of you who volunteer, isn't this true? This is why you do everything that you do. You, and you would never thought of it in these terms. You wouldn't use this language. But every week, you offer hospitality to every person who walks through our doors without grumbling. Now, I want to I explain to you real quickly how we measure or evaluate how well we're doing at this. There are three big questions that we ask ourselves, and I want you to know, if you're new around here, you'll just kind of get a behind-the-scenes glimpse of what matters to us. If you're a part of our church, I want you to know what this is because I need you to evaluate this and pay attention to this just like I do. There are three big questions, and then there are some sub-questions under it we ask ourselves. I don't have time to give you all the sub-questions, but I'm going to give you one sub-question for each of the three big ones, okay? Let me just give them to you real quick. One of the questions we ask to know how we're doing in hospitality is, what do they see? What do they see? When people walk into our church for the first time, what do they see? Now, the obvious thing to think about here is our, the facility, right? And we don't own a facility, but part of the reason we work so hard and our volunteers set up all this stuff so well is because we want this, when you walk up to this facility or into this facility, we want it to look like, hey, we knew you were coming, we cared that you were coming. We got everything prepared and organized for you to come. Everything's clean. like Because the facility says something, doesn't it? So obviously that makes a difference. Which is why, by the way, let me say this. Which is why, by the way, if you're a part of our church, if you love our church, if you call this your church home, let me explain something to you real quickly. When you're in the bathroom and you see water on a counter and you think to yourself, somebody needs to clean that up. Where's the facility team? Here's what I want you to do from now on. I want you to look in the mirror and go, Oh, there's a facility team, and grab some paper towels and clean it up. Because we're all on the same page. When you're walking down a hallway and you see trash, pick it up. You know, we got a lot of people coming through this building. When you get done with the service and you're walking out, look down your row and grab the cups of coffee or, the, you know, the, the handouts or whatever it may be laying there. You're all part of facilities if you're a part of our, of our church because we know it matters. Now, I can prove this to you real easily. When does your house look the best? When you're expecting guests, Right? Your house looks the best when you're expecting guests. If you're not expecting guests, <laughs> some of you don't clean your house at all. But if you got guests coming over, it's okay. That's when it's going to look the best and you're going to hit it. Well, it's the same thing for us every Sunday. You can help play a part in this. But I want to give you another question about what do they see? And it's more than just, well, how's the facility looking? Is everything clean and organized? I want to give you another question maybe you haven't thought about. One of the questions that every person who walks in here for the first time. One of the questions every single person that walks in here asks themselves is this, do I see someone like me? Do I see someone like me? This is just human nature. Anytime we walk into a new environment, the first thing we do subconsciously is to look around and ask, okay, is there anybody here like me? Now, if you are a father with a daughter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because at some point in your life, you have been forced to take your daughter to a girl's birthday party. And you didn't want to go, and the minute you got there, the only thing you did is look around and say, oh God, please let there be another dad there. Please, you know, because it's just a lot of pink tutu and glitter, and it's not your thing, right? The first thing you were looking for was somebody else like you. Not that you, you know, all those moms were nice, but you're like, oh my gosh, I just need another guy in the middle of all this pink. Well. Well, when people walk into our church, it's the same thing. You realize when people walk in our church for the first time, think about the first time you walked in. You were looking for somebody who was in the same age range as you. You were looking for somebody who's in the same stage of life as you. You were looking for somebody who's the same race as you. You were looking for somebody who's the same gender as you. It's just human nature. And part of why it's so important, and you'll see this in a minute, but part of why it's so important That those of you who love this church and call it home, part of the reason it's so important that you serve here is because when people walk in, there are people like you who are looking for someone just like you. And when they see a face of someone who's in the same stage of life, the same season, the same age as them, it puts them at ease. It's true for all of us. So one of the questions we ask is, okay, what do they see? We want to make sure they see something. And if you're new here, we want to make sure you saw something today that made you comfortable, made you feel at home. The second question we ask is this. What are they here? What are they here? Now, obviously, that, that can entail, you know, what, they, what you experience here on Sunday and what the kids experience. We make sure, you know, that every age group gets age-appropriate content that's engaging and helpful. We work really hard at that. But, again, I want to, I want to turn this a little bit of a different way, and I want to ask you a different question. It's this one. Do we have a good reputation in the community? Because that matters. Now, you know how we get a reputation in the community? You. You. You are our reputation because you are our church. And I think you do a phenomenal job at this. I mean, I hear so many good comments about our church and when I'm when I'm out and about and people don't even always know that I, you know, I work here. But you you've done this and done an incredible job of building a great reputation, but I just want to connect these dots for you, that the way you respond to every hurt, the way you choose to forgive every time, the generosity that you demonstrate when you see a need, the time that you're willing to give to serve somebody or to care for somebody or to love someone, I mean, we could keep going, like the the everyday choices that you make that you may think, oh, it's not such a big deal and nobody's paying attention, no people are paying attention, and yes, it's a really big deal. Because with every one of those choices, you're building a reputation for who we are collectively as a church family. And that reputation, that reputation piques the curiosity and the interest of people in this community. That is why what we do every year and what we're about to do in two weeks with our Christmas offering, that's why it matters so much. Because it is a very tangible way for us to say to our community, we care about you, we love you, we are for you, and God is for you. And we're going to demonstrate it in the most powerful way we know how. We're going to volunteer our time to serve you. And we're going to give our money to support you. So that's an important question to ask. The third question I'll give you is this one. What do they experience? What do they experience? This is part of offering hospitality too. Not just what people see and hear, but what they experience. And here's one of the questions we ask around this. Do we treat people genuinely, respectfully, and personally. Now, here's, here's why this one matters so much. Because someone who doesn't believe anything like us, someone who doesn't value anything we value, should be able to walk in here and feel like we respect their values and their beliefs, even if we disagree. You know why? Because they are made in the image of God, and they are loved by their Heavenly Father, even if they don't love Him. And therefore, they ought to be treated and respected and loved by us. The same way. So we work really hard at this, and hopefully we do a good job of it, but we've always got to keep it on the front burner. That if you disagree with us, it's okay. We're gonna listen. If you disagree with us, it's okay. We're gonna we're gonna be respectful in how we treat you, and we're gonna acknowledge, you hear me say this all the time: we're gonna acknowledge you may not agree with everything. You're still welcome here. You may not believe everything we believe. You can still belong and be a part of us, and you can explore. What you believe, and you can explore what we believe here among us. That's what it looks like for us. This is one of the ways we measure offering hospitality to one another without grumbling. But it's something that takes all of us who love and call this place our church. It's something that takes all of us to do well. That's what Peter's driving at. Look at what he says next to these Christians. He says, Each of you, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This was Peter's way of saying, okay, I know things are hard for you right now. I know you're being persecuted. I know you're facing a lot of resistance. I know you're not the most popular people in your community because that was true for them in the first century. But he says, I want you to know that the only way that you can powerfully offer hospitality is if everybody comes together who's a part of your church family. And if you all as Christians, all as followers of Jesus, begin to take the gift that God has given you, and you demonstrate God's grace to the people in your community by letting him use your gifts, and when you take a little bit of time and you hold your gifts with open hands and you let God use that, he does something extraordinary. He shows his grace to people by how well you serve them. Because Peter knew a city wasn't going to be changed by just a few. A community's not going to be impacted by just a few. A church can't have the impact and accomplish the mission God has given it with just a few. It takes each of you, each of us, using the gifts that God has given us. And for 12 years, I have watched that happen. And that's part of why that video we had at the beginning, that's part of why when I watched that, I just I mean I think it struck me because I realized that's that's exactly what happens here every week. Every week people take a little bit of their time and a gift that God has given them and they say, "Okay God, I'm just going to I'm going to use this and I'm going to trust you to make a difference with it." And they help preschoolers to develop a foundation of faith. They help elementary kids to take a next step of faith. They help middle and high schoolers develop a faith of their own. They help adults to have a place where they can come and discover that there's a purpose. You know, they help college students to realize, wait a minute, there's meaning and significance to this life beyond just you. Like there's, a, there's purpose on the other side of you and you can figure it out and there's a reason that God's put you where you are. We have people who, you know, we've watched this for 12 years, help parents and grandparents figure out things that they're wrestling with and know, and this is so important, know in the middle of whatever's going on in their world. No, there is a Heavenly Father and He's real and He cares about you And he loves you. And he'll help walk you through whatever you face. That is a message that everybody needs to hear, but it's a message that only lands when each of us use our gift to demonstrate God's grace in a tangible way. So, I want to do two things today. Here's the challenge part. First of all, for those of you who spent the last year volunteering here, words aren't adequate enough to say thank you. But God has used you in an extraordinary way. This may have been the best year we've ever had as a church. But it is because so many of you, matter of fact, if if you don't serve here, if you're not engaged here, you need to know the majority of adults and students, college students, and teenagers who attend our church, the majority, this is unbelievable to me, but the majority of you engage and serve and give some of your time here on a regular basis. And it's because of you that lives have been changed. Every time you see a, you know, we do a baptism and you see the video and you hear the story, you played a part in that. Every time you see somebody new walk in the door, and there have been hundreds of them this year, you play a part in that. Every time a life is changed and a family is, you know, put back together or a family doesn't fall apart, you play a part in that. Every story you hear, every person who's impacted, it's because God is demonstrating his grace to them through you. And you don't always see it and you don't always connect the dots, but I can't tell you thank you enough because it's incredible to watch. And here's what I want to say today. If you are engaged here serving, I hope you will re-engage for another year because I don't want you to miss out on what God wants to do over the next year. And if you are not engaged here, we need you. And I want to invite you to engage here And to give a little bit of your time and see if by giving a little bit of your time, God makes a lifetime of difference in someone else's life. And in the course of it, you'll be amazed at what he does in and through you. So here's what I want to ask you to do. When you came in, you got a card that looks like this. I want to ask you to grab that. And all you have to do, we made it as simple as we can make it. On the front, if you'll just put your name, phone, and email, that's all we need, And then let me tell you about something that's coming up, and if you can't make this, that's okay. We can still help you get connected. But we do an event every single year called Launch that is basically a big celebration of all God has done, and it's a look ahead to what he's going to do over the next year. It's our way to say thanks to volunteers and kind of give you a heads up on what's coming. And we're doing that this Monday and Tuesday night. It's the exact same event. You can come to either one, but I would love for you to come to Launch because if if you're not there, if you're not serving, at Launch we'll help you figure out where you want to serve and where you want to try it. It's not a long-term commitment. We're not asking you to sign your life away. You know, this is a just try it, see if you like it. If you like it, you know, we'll ask you to serve if you can for the next year. And then you're, the way I always explain it, you're a free agent at that point. Like, you can renegotiate your contract, ask for more money, you know. So, So it's not a lifetime commitment here. But we want to help you find something that you love doing with people you love being with. That's our goal. That's our goal. So if you'll fill this out, and if you could come to one of these two launch events, we've got some incredible surprises, a lot of swag for you. You don't want to miss it. If you can come to one of those, you just mark that. And then on the back, there are a list of opportunities. These aren't all the opportunities, but they're a list of some of our more common opportunities to serve. And if you know you know an area, hey, I think I want to work with this or I'd like to try this, you can put a one by it. If you want to check out a couple of different things, you can put a two by the other one. And then we'll help you meet some people and figure out what that is. If you have no idea where you uh, could serve or what you could do, at the bottom, we got you a spot. Help me, I don't know where to serve. Just check that one, OK? You'll be good. We'll help you figure out where to serve. There are a couple of areas I want to highlight real quickly, because for some of you, you're not always aware of this, but but this might be something you would love to do. Uh, We have teams that, as as I mentioned earlier, we call them road crew. We have teams who show up and set all this up in the morning, and then teams that stay afterward, different team that stays afterward and tears everything down, packs it away. For some of you, if you could give an hour of your time, maybe you're a morning person, the morning would work great, or maybe you could give an hour after service. We would love to have you help us. We could always use more hands doing that, as you can imagine. It takes a lot of bodies to get all of this up, and we've got it streamlined, but... Just a few more hands would make a world of difference. So if you'd be willing to do that and you just want to be behind the scenes, that is a great role for you. If you love kids, as always, we'd love to have you doing that. Or students, you can pick that. One of the areas in our family ministry that's growing so fast is our elementary environment, our 252 environment. We've got kids coming out our ears. It's, it's awesome. It's amazing. But if you'd like to check that out and help us, we'd love to have you doing uh, something in there. Loving on kids in there. So you can mark 252 if you're interested in that. Uh, There's uh, guest services. If you want to help greet people and you love doing that, you can choose that or family check-in. They do the same thing down here on the bottom floor and they host families and show people around. So we'll help you figure out where it is. What I need you to do is to engage or re-engage and just take a step. To engage or re-engage and say, you know what, I'm going to take a big step here and I'm going to explore whether there could be a place that God wants to use me. Now... Let me explain in four minutes why that matters so much, and then I'm going to get you out of here, okay? There are two reasons that it matters. Some of you are going, how do you know four minutes? I have a clock. Believe me, I have a clock. So four minutes, okay? There are two reasons this matters, and you probably aren't aware of either one of them. But it matters that you jump in and volunteer here, partly for this reason, because every Sunday is someone's first Sunday. Just stop and think about that for a minute. This is so true. I don't, rem- I don't know if we've ever had one, maybe in the early days we did, but I don't remember the last time we had a Sunday that we didn't have somebody attend for the very first time. That's extraordinary. Every single Sunday here is somebody's first Sunday, which is why we want to make every Sunday the best day ever because it's the first experience for somebody here. Every single week, there's a wife who's convinced her husband to finally walk in the door of a church, There's a a boyfriend who's convinced his girlfriend to finally come and give it a shot. There's a friend who's been inviting their friend over and over again, and it's the Sunday they decide to come. There are people who show up, and they've got so much going on in their world that they decide, I just need to go to church. Maybe there are answers there. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. Today it's going to be somebody's first Sunday. Next Sunday, somebody's first Sunday. It may be your friend. It may be mine. It may be somebody else's that has been invited, but every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday and they need to see and experience God's grace through you and the way you serve them. So it matters that you get involved because the more people that come through those doors, the more people we need to show God's love to them in a very tangible way. The other reason it matters is because every Sunday is potentially someone's last Sunday. And I have seen this too. The last Sunday they have an opportunity to know God loves them. The last Sunday, they're going to give church a chance to see if it really is true that God cares about them. The last Sunday that they can discover that Jesus died and rose again to pay the penalty for their sins because he wanted to call them son or daughter. So there's a lot that rides on it. And when you do your part, and you do your part, and you do your part, and I do my part, something miraculous happens. God takes our little bit of time and our little bit of gifts and he multiplies it exponentially to have an impact and change the lives of people who walk through our doors. So please, do not spend the next 12 months sitting on the sidelines. Love extravagantly, offer hospitality, and serve faithfully. Just fill out this card. When you leave, there are going to be guest services people at the top of the stairs. Just drop it in the bucket and then show up to launch and let us help you get connected and join this extraordinary group of people here who make every Sunday the best day ever for someone. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. We can't say thank you enough. Thank you for taking a lot of us ordinary individuals and doing something extraordinary with us. Would you please help us? Uh, those of us who volunteer and serve here, help us to see how you're working in us and how you're working through us because of that. Help us not to take for granted the extraordinary, astonishing things that we get to watch you do around here. For those who haven't engaged, I, I know they're missing so much just to come and sit in a row and listen to somebody like me and walk out. They're missing so much of what you want to do in and through them. So would you help them to take the step to look beyond themselves and to develop this habit of consistently serving somebody else, given an hour of their time on a Sunday morning or whenever it happens, to make a difference. and then do in them and do through them what only you can. In Jesus' name, amen.